You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, good looking. Why is a nice boy like you listening to a podcast like this? Take this down, hot stuff. Record Rangers is part of the Daily Record Podcast Network. Subscribe at iTunes or Audio Boom. Mwah. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers Podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by Sunday Mail sports writer Scott McDermott. On the pod today, we assess the transfer window by picking apart Rangers business and deliver our verdict. Jamie Walker, we look at the story behind the transfer that wasn't. And we go looking for the next Ryan Jack by casting our eyes over next summer's free transfer bargains. And finally, as social media has their say following a BBC debate, we ask Scott Brown or Barry Ferguson, who was the better player? Scott, looking back over the transfer window that's now shut, Rangers have obviously made several signings. Go through them one by one and get your verdict on them. Starting off with the big signing, Bruno Alves. Oh, he's been a great signing, Johnny. I, mean, I don't think there's, there's any dispute about that. Obviously, we've not seen him in that many games. We've not seen him really tested yet against you know, an Aberdeen or a Celtic, but... You can just see, I mean, I think he started for, for Portugal the other night, didn't he, one of the, the qualifiers, it was certainly in the, certainly in the squad. Uh, I think he's, um, initially. he's, he's, he's ill, he's ill, so he's missed, like, missed the game, yeah. But just to be around that squad, you no, know, his age tells you what they think of him. Um, the games that we have seen, um, he's been very dominant, uh, just everything you would expect. It's not even just winning headers and tackles and that, you can actually see him cajoling guys around him, knowing the defence and pulling guys here and there. So um listen, I don't think there's any doubt if he stays fit he'll be a he'll be a big player for Rangers. And to be fair to Pedro Cushina, no, credit to him for being able to go and get him because no, it was a big name you're taking him from, from Serie A. He'd obviously would have had to convince him to come to Scotland. So that's uh, no, that's been a good one for him so far. Yeah, there was two things. The first thing was he was the second best passer out of defence in Serie A last season. Yeah. And you can see that with Rangers. He's already added something Definitely. significant to their play. We saw that with a goal against Ross County where he picked out Lee Wallace. Yeah. Great ball out from the back. And he's, he's doing that consistently, which has given Rangers a bit of variation. Definitely. Because under Warburton, passing from left to right, it was too slow sometimes. Yeah. He's, he's also, the one that's going in there with a direct passing. He's also two-footed as well. You yeah. can see he doesn't mean ping it. No, either, either foot and... Well, if Cardozo was to get injured, for instance, and say uh, Danny Wilson came in, you'd have no qualms about putting Alves taking a right right centre half row, no. do you know what I mean? So no, he's I don't think there's any any doubts at all about him and the key thing will just be keeping him keeping him fit. Yeah. That I notice as well, and maybe this is the other big thing about Alves, he seems to have had an influence off the pitch as well. I mean you watch him in the games and yep. he's cajoling he's talking yep. the players look up to him you can see from the, the body language they have respect for him and I notice when I'm seeing the pictures coming in 
on our systems here at the Daily Record you, of the training, you're actually seeing a new thing introduced to the Rangers training, which is this, is this sort of volleyball, football right. element. I don't know if you've seen that, um, but um, there was a, a viral video that went around um, over the summer of Alves playing this and right. doing an overhead kick. Right. And I noticed that it's been brought into Rangers training since he's arrived. So things like that that you maybe people don't know about, but he's obviously having an impact behind the scenes. I think when you've played at the level he, he has... And you've played with the players that he has. I mean, you're talking about a guy, you know, that will be training with Cristiano Ronaldo and Andre Gomez and people like that, you know, regularly. So he is going to have a big influence. And another thing I think about him as well is that, you no, know, we've maybe not quite seen it yet. But I think as the season goes on, you'll maybe see Lee Wallace getting better, you no, know, and, and, and having a good season, partly because Alves is there. I think. Lee Wallace has had to take a big burden, a responsibility. You no, know, in the last, you no, know, the last few years as captain, coming from where Rangers have, have been, and you no, know, you would like to think for for Lee Wallace and his career that just at least part of that responsibility you now has been taken off his shoulders, and I think Alves will take a lot of that on, um, and won't mind being the the leader and the talker at the back. And from Rangers' point of view, you no, know, they'll be hoping that allows Lee Wallace. Well, maybe just to have a bit more play with a bit more freedom, a bit less pressure, and hopefully, you know that the fans will see the best of him. Aye, because uh, Alves again, another facet to him is that he speaks better English than most of us here. Exactly. So it's exactly. really it's fluent. It, it, it ticks every box really. I mean, apart from his age, you no. Know, in terms of you no, know, a kind of marquee signing for Rangers, everybody knows and everybody knew they had to strengthen at the back and get a centre half in, and. Uh, as I say, he's, he's probably one of the best they could have got. What about Cardoso as defensive partner? I've been a bit underwhelmed by him. I've got to say, maybe you disagree with me on that. I find him very, very good on the ball. Really technically good. But I think he's going to get bullied a little bit by the big boys in the Premiership. And I do see this, the, the more pragmatic managers, the Tommy Wrights, the Derek McInnesses, I think they'll, they'll target him. Yeah. There's every chance. I mean, he's he's one that you need to see tested, you no, know, properly because, you no, know, I suppose you could argue that the one big test he's had was the Hibs game at Ibrox, and that didn't go too well for him. I mean, he's defending for the, the Simon Murray goal was really poor. I mean, to be fair, the whole defence wasn't yeah. great for that goal or in that game. Um, but I agree with you. I think he's when I look at him, I think he's got all the tools. I think he's got all the attributes. He's young enough. I think he's a good signing in that we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago with Morelos. No, you go to a kind of provincial club in Portugal, you take a young guy who, as I say, you think's got all the qualities, but is still developing and still learning the game. And I think the great thing about Cardozo is, no, he might have a few rough edges just now, but for a Rangers fan's point of view, no, they'll hope that having Alves behind him, eh, beside him, can really bring Cardozo, Cardozo on, and no, you would hope that you would see a, a kind of progression in Cardozo's play as the season goes on. Um, but you're right; you need to see him tested. When he goes up against no a Griffiths or a, a Dembele or even Aberdeen, or the, the players they've got up front, then that's when he's going to really need to no stand on his own two feet and, and, and impress everybody. Yeah, and he's he's obviously young enough as well. I think he's twenty four yep. to develop over the coming years. But yeah, I think it's a, good, the, it's a good age. The thing is with Rangers, obviously, is that you don't always get given the time. No, that's what it was vital that they get Alves in beside them. Yeah, because you're right. When you sign a young centre half at twenty four, 
I think you're going to expect mistakes. Um, and if you were if you were pitching him in beside another young centre half or another young inexperienced centre half, then that that might bring a few problems. But I think Kashin has been pretty clever. He sees Cardozo as a developing centre back, but he obviously knew that he wanted somebody with experience beside him, and and they've got that. And listen, you need you need to give that partnership a bit of time to develop. I mean, it's we're kind of judging or we're trying to judge very early on. The two of them will be getting to know each other. Obviously helps. They're both Portuguese, but Cachinha will be hoping that given over time that that will develop into a really strong partnership for Rangers. Just in front of the back two, Ryan Jack picked up on a free transfer. I think most people felt that that was a pretty solid, intelligent investment and he's certainly looking like that's the case. Yeah, that, that, that sums up. I mean, he's just... That's the type of player that Ryan Jack is. He's neat, he's tidy, he's disciplined, he keeps the ball well, he's a good passer. Well, I don't think he's going to open up defences for you or, or create chances, but even in the early games, I think you've seen enough of his ability to, to break up play, you know, stop opposition playing, get the ball, give it, get, get Rangers moving again to suggest he'll be a good signing. And as you say, to get him a free transfer, for one of your biggest rivals, no Aberdeen's captain. The fact that he's a, no, we now know he was a Rangers fan as a kid. That can only help. Um, so he's a solid seven out of ten every week guy. Has he got Scotland potential in the future? Do you think? In that role, we've got Scott Brown at the moment. You know, he's thirty-two. Certainly, when you think, no, when you think Scott Brown has obviously spoke before about, uh, no, he's going to retire for international football. So maybe. Won't be in the Scotland scene for, for too much longer. Obviously, Darren Fletcher's coming to the end as well, who's another who would have stepped into that role. So, yeah, maybe. I mean, he's, he's, he's playing for Rangers. He'll be playing every week in the Scottish Premiership. As you say, he's impressed so far. He's he's different. He's no, it's not as if he's competing with, uh, you know, with James Morrison, Stuart Armstrong, you know, people like that for a place. He would be the guy to get in there and sit. So... So why not? I mean, if if he if he's impressive for Rangers, you no, know, this season on a consistent basis, then no, I think he would have uh, some claims to be in the squad anyway. Graham Dorans, what do we think of him so far? I'm a big fan of Dorans. Always have been. I've you no know, been watching him since he was a kid. At, you know, eighteen, nineteen, coming through at Livingston and loan at Party. I just think technically. He's such a gifted player, um, and I thought in the summer, as much as we're saying Alves was the marquee signing, and he was to me, Dorans was the guy Rangers had to get. You no, know, as soon as that interest was there, as soon as it was made clear that he wanted to be a Rangers player, then they had to get that deal over the line. Um, I just think he gives you about everything in midfield. He's He's almost kind of old-fashioned in that sense that he's no he can play the sitting role, he can play number ten, he can actually play wide and come in, come in off the left. Is he uh, is he playing a little deep though at the moment? That's my concern. I think that him and Ryan Jack are are, are both sort of screening the defence yeah. because often they're coming against a three-man midfield, yeah. so they're outnumbered. Yeah. They have to do that. I'm sure if you spoke to them, they would say, "Well, we have to sit yeah. otherwise." There's that going that to be... was certainly a problem. The Hearts and Hibs games, they were getting outnumbered. Yeah, big big time and. And that was an issue because he played a totally different game 
uh, in those games compared to the Motherwell game, the first game of the season where he was when allowed he was to, to bomb on when he was when he was brilliant that day. Um, so no, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe him and Jack doing it, he can kind of dovetail a wee bit more. No, maybe Ryan Jack's got to do a wee bit more in terms of no, he can maybe move forward a wee bit as well when Doran sits. It's like an old fashioned kind of you know, two man midfield and a four four two. But I just think over the season. I think Dorans will give you goals, energy, good passing, you no know, long range shooting, free kicks. I mean, the, the season he had at West Brom in the Championship, I know it was a few years ago, but I mean, it was phenomenal that season. And the, the, the free kicks he scored, set piece delivery, he was outstanding. And he didn't really look at a place in the Premier League as well when, when West Brom went up. So for Rangers to get a player of his quality, and again, like Jack, a guy who's got real feeling for the club and knows what it's all about, knows what it, knows what it means to supporters. I think there's no question he'll be a he'll be a top signing for Rangers. We talked in detail about Morelos last week, so we won't yep. go into that again. But if we stop there, that'll probably be the successes, the the outright successes so far, done yeah. and dusted. Yep. Let's talk about the players that have had mixed success so yep. far. Again, we touched on Herrera last week. Yeah. Big, bulky, physical bit, bit presence. Yeah. Bit laboured. So he's got time to, to obviously um, adjust to Scottish football, but the jury's still out on that one. Yeah. Dalcio, what's happened there? He's just disappeared off the radar after two very, very poor performances yeah. where he, he barely made an impact start, against the Luxembourg that's team. That's what I was going to say. Started the progress game. And just didn't he, didn't he make any sort of impact, certainly the impact that Cassini would have hoped for. Um, it's, not, it's hard to judge, as you say, but we've seen so little. Not hearing anything so, about him no, either. No, no hearing anything. Um, no, I've not heard that much about him, but no, I've spoke to a couple of, couple of players, it's not as if they're, they're blown away by him, no, in, in training or anything, so... It seems a bit strange. You no, know, you get a guy in loan for Benfica. You think he's got your, he's going to make some sort of impact. Um, but I mean, we've barely seen him even on the bench now. So it's early days, but it's hard to see how he's going to progress this season or progress Rangers um, and make any sort of impact. And I just wonder whether Pedro Cassini is already thinking that. You no, know, if he's taking up a wage at Ibrox, then is it worth? in January looking to, to get him back to Benfica if if he can then get somebody in to replace him. And then probably the most discussed of all the transfers, certainly the biggest outlay in terms of uh, financial for Rangers is Carlos Peña. Obviously all sorts of social media rumours that will not give too much sucker here, um, but in terms of his ability, he's obviously been signed as a guy, 19 caps for Mexico, attacking midfield player player who breaks the lines, he's a runner, um, goal scorer, because he's got a decent goal scoring record, he's exactly on paper the player Rangers need, Yeah. but is he still that player on paper? I mean, what are, what's your take on what you've seen so far, what you've heard? What I've, what I've heard is that, like Dalcio, no, Peña hasn't exactly impressed in training or, or behind closed doors games. I'm not hearing great reports about him, put it that way. Um, in fact, I think that kind of, from what I've heard, even the people within Auchenhowie, you know, expected to see a lot more, you know, for the the outlay that the Rangers have put down. So, again, it's early days. You don't want to write the guy off, as you say. Seems to have a decent background, although 
no, a kind of colourful character, uh, certainly, for what we've read and what we've heard. He's the ultimate example of never trust a player by YouTube. Because yeah. when I saw him on YouTube, um, when it was first mooted that he was going to sign, I thought, geez, oh, this guy looks like something else. Because yeah. there is reams and reams of footage of him yeah. curling ones in the top corner, bursting through and long bursting runs from midfield. Yeah. But the thing was, I suppose that was three or four years ago now. Yeah, that, that's it. And, and if... If it's true, what we've kind of read about him, he's kind of off-field antics and you know, things that he's been through, then you wonder if that, well, how much of that kind of talent, if you like, that he's lost or how much of the confidence he's lost. I really don't know, but, I mean, he came on against Hibs in the, the game at Ibrox and, you know, without putting too fine a point, I mean, I, I thought he looked like a guy who had never played football before. I mean, he came on for like 20 minutes, he just looked lost. He was tactically indisciplined as well. He was yeah. he was running all over the place he, like a he headless got, chicken. He got a pass. I mean, if you look back, he was only on a couple of minutes, and, and Dorans gave him a pass in the middle of the park, and he kind of took a clumsy first touch, and then just ran into two Hibs players. I mean, it just he just didn't look like a like a player. No, let, let's be honest. But you speak to Pedro Cachinha. I've asked him loads of times now at various press conferences about Pena when. The supporters are going to see the best of him. How long is it going to take for him to settle? And Kashinya is ad- absolutely adamant that you no, know, this guy will will come good. You no, know, he, he conceded the last time we spoke to him that Herrera, you no, know, being a fellow Mexican, had just adapted a lot better and settled a lot better in Glasgow, and that Pena needed more more time. So, of course, you, you know you need to give these guys time. As a big as a big change for them, but. As you touched on earlier, you don't get a lot of time as a Rangers mm. player, especially when you're no no top of the league and you're no you're no winning trophies. So, I read a Mexican journalist who talked about him um, when he made his first move to Chivas, and I think it was eight million pounds the move. So it was a big big money move. But the reason this guy cited it, it didn't work out was that he didn't adapt to the big club environment. Right. He just didn't. He, he liked to be the big he fish in the small pond. Yeah, he's one of those players. And I, the minute I read that, I thought, right, that's, that's alarm. Alarm. Saint Bell's that's around a big here. Worry coming to Rangers because yeah. we all know kind of what you have to deal with as a Rangers player: pressure on the park, you no know, pressure and responsibility off the park. So it is a lot to deal with for a guy still relatively young, you no know, coming from Mexico. That would be a worry, but listen, the board have put their faith in Kishinya. No, this whole transfer window, they've given him. No, saying they've given him everything that he's wanted, but they've given him a large kind of chunk. Um, and let's be honest, I mean, he went and spent money and spent time getting guys like Herrera and Pena, and when he could have been away getting. Scottish, British equivalents, do you know what Louis I mean? Moulton, uh, yeah. Kenny McLean, for yeah. example. For, yeah. for instance, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they would have got Kenny McLean no, no matter what, just because no. he Aberdeen's stance on it, but um, he clearly had these guys in mind at the end of last season as the guys he was going to go for, spend money on and, and rely on, as opposed to, you know, we've spoken about like Stephen A. Smith, for instance, I mean, he's went and got Herrera, and you could have got an A. Smith, I suppose they're different types of players, but... Um, so he's put a lot of faith in them and we do have to give them time but of all the signings that we've spoke about the two Mexicans are the ones I would worry about most What about Daniel Candias? I've been impressed with him the reason I've put him in at this um, section is just because uh, I read mixed things on, on social media about him I think 
he's developing a very profitable potentially partnership with uh, Tavernier. Yeah. I think he's very tactically intelligent. When Tavernier bombs forward, he'll drop in. He works his backside off yeah. during the games. And when he gets a good ball in, it's, it, the delivery is terrific. The problem yeah. he has is, I think his delivery can be inconsistent. Yeah. But his first thought is always, swing that ball in hard, fast and in the box. So I, I like him. He's direct. He, I like him. He's one that surprised me, I have to be honest. When, when, I, when, I, when he signed, you're looking at his career. I mean, he's had so many loan moves. He's been everywhere, hasn't he? And yeah. you always worry about guys like that. No, why they've not settled down, why they've not put a kind of consistent run together at a, at a specific club. So you're looking at his career and thinking, God, is this is this really going to work? But I've been impressed by him. And just as you say, the most impressive thing for me playing in that position uh, for Candias is his work rate. I mean, I, I spoke to I spoke to Graham Dorans after like two or three days at the club, and one of the things Dorans said to me was, he said, "This guy Candias is going to do a do a job for us because he just works his backside off, even in training and in games." Um, and I think he's been a bright spark for them, honestly, at the start of the season. Um, I don't think many Rangers fans expected too much from him, um, but he's been in there. You're playing a 4 4 2, you need your wide men to graft uh, and get up and down. And That's the problem on the left, isn't it? Exactly. With Cranchar and, uh, and, Windass. and Windass. Exactly. So no, I, th- I think Candias, listen, he's no, I'm not saying he's blown me away, but I think he's shown enough in the early part of the season to suggest. He'll do a good job for them. I mean, I think I think I'm right in saying the transfer fee for that one was maybe like six hundred grand, seven hundred grand. I think at this stage that looks like a decent decent bit of business for him. Yeah, Rangers. agreed. Um, Declan John is the last one to talk about. Um, what have you heard about him? Two caps for Wales, Cardiff City coming up here. Yeah, I mean, I've not seen him. I've not seen too much of him. I will have watched games that he's played in because I obviously watch. You'd have seen Cardiff games in the Premier League, the Championship and stuff. Um, but again, he's young enough, he's a Welsh international. Maybe slightly worrying why he's no more regular on the Cardiff side. Obviously, a couple of managers have come in, no really fancied him, mm. and he's been out and loan. But in saying that, Cardiff, no, it's, it's until Neil Warnock came in, it was a wee bit of an up and down club, a bit of turmoil in that there, so... Warnock likes his big physical strapping lines as well, so he could be a, you know, if he's a technical attacking left-back in the mould that Rangers are probably looking for, he's maybe not going to be Neil Neil Warnock's cup of tea. you're right, that's a good point. Um, He's more of a, when I look at him, he's maybe more of like a Neil Taylor, for instance, who who was at Swansea and and Villa, obviously, Um, technically very good, not the biggest, likes to get forward... And we spoke last week about you know, the need to cover in the fullback areas. Takes a wee bit of pressure off Lee Hodson, who can now concentrate on being uh, kind of a bit harsh to say deputy right back, but at least he can concentrate on competing with, with Tavernier now for that for that one spot, knowing that if anything happens to Lee Wallace, then uh, Declan John can come in. That's the ins. Looking at the outs, I suppose what I would say is that looking at the players that have gone, Rangers have managed to get rid of almost every single Warburton signing. Now, I remember if you'd taken us back to May, we'd probably be sitting here going, how the heck are Rangers going to get rid of all these boys? But they have managed to do it. Um, Is there anyone that's gone that you think, that's maybe a mistake? You know, Michael Halloran, for one, he's he's just one player of the month. And we're hearing rumblings from the press guys that were 
at the event today that there there might be some criticism coming Pedro Cachina's way in the in the papers tomorrow. What's your take on O'Halloran? Well, listen, in terms of Michael O'Halloran having a wee pop back, I think he's quite entitled to it, to be honest. I mean, Pedro Cachina came out last week and said he's not my type of player, he won't be back. Basically said I'm not, I'm not interested in him. So I think Michael O'Halloran, as I say, is entitled to have his say in the matter. It's a strange one, O'Halloran. I, I can actually see Pedro Cachina's point about O'Halloran in terms of the type of player he is, no fitting into no Rangers style or, or just a Rangers team because no nine games out of ten Rangers will play, they'll be camped in the other teams half, trying to break them down, trying to find openings, no a lot of space in behind opposition defence. That's no Michael Harren's game. No no claim to be any kind of tactical genius, but I mean everybody knows watching O'Halloran he's a counter attack player. No, he'll suit teams that kind of sit in and then go and, go and hit in the break um, so it's just one of the personally a club like Rangers should have a squad no, with varied players no, varied attributes and all that so I think he's worthy of a place in the Rangers squad but I can see because it, no, a way to a way to Pataudry or a way to Celtic Park he could have used Rangers could have used Michael Hard and his pace whether it's through the middle or out, out wide so I think they've been worthy of place in the squad, but I can see where Pedro Cachina's coming from when he talks about the type of players. Where I disagree with Cachina um, and what he said last week was just discarding him in terms of. I thought if you if you're a club who's got a guy with two or three years left in his contract and you're maybe looking to sell him on shortly. No, but why would you come out and say those things? No, I don't want him, he's not my type of player, he won't be back. If you're the buying club in January or the end of the season and Rangers are demanding any sort of fee, you would be saying, well, wait a minute, you've already said publicly you don't want the guy, so I thought that was a bit silly for, for Kashina. Listen, he could have come out and said... Is Kashina trying to put his, just playing the devil's advocate, is he trying to put his marker down, say I'm poss- the boss? Possibly. There's a certain type of mentality I'm not going to accept. Michael Haller embodies that mentality. I mean, we've seen it over the years, and I think Gary Ralston was talking about it the last time he was on this podcast. He's talking about the mental toughness that you need to be a Rangers player. Right. It's not about pretty passing football. It's about getting the result no matter what. And does Michael O'Halloran have that kind of killer mentality? Um... I don't know. Listen, get only guys that have worked with him, not in training, but would know that. I mean, they've been interviewed him a few times. I don't know what he's no kind of big game mentality or big club mentality would be like. But I think he's got attributes that could have been useful yeah. to Rangers. He's just not shown away, it though, has he? Away games. That, that really, mentality when he's been given an opportunity. Possibly no, but again, it's been. I don't. I don't remember many away games where Rangers have said, right, let's play him up top. No, and try and use his pace on the counter or let's play him wide the games I remember Michael Harlan, O'Halloran playing in were games at Ibrox where Rangers were supposed to go in 1, 2 and 3 nil, and all he could really do was just get, no, he was chained to the touchline try to get to the byline and get crosses in and I mean he always tried hard I don't think you could, I don't think you could label that against him so I just don't understand Cachina maybe is trying to put a marker down but He's setting himself up for a fall a wee bit. I mean, if Michael Harlan's got 15 goals by January and you're still sticking to your guns and saying, no, this guy's no good and no, we, we don't want him, 
I think you begin to look a wee bit silly. He could have played it safe and said, listen, it doesn't really fit into our style of play. I've decided that he'd be better going elsewhere and playing. It's great to see him, great to see him happy, scoring goals, and we'll look at the situation again in January. He's clearly, he's clearly annoyed because you hasn't he? That's, that's, that must be the bottom line. You know, with this, you know, the training at 6am or whatever, you add that in, you, that's the only thing that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, it's strange why why the two of them have obviously no no had to no had to off right right for the start. Um and you're right, listen, maybe the mentality thing is the problem. Maybe Kashinya has worked with him behind closed doors and doesn't feel as if he has got that kind of hardened no win at all costs mentality and that's why he he's he sent him out again. But as I said, I just think he was a wee bit um a wee bit foolish with his words last week and um, it'll be interesting to see see how O'Halloran does or see how that situation develops in January. The, the, other, the other one, incidentally, just on players that they've let go, the, the big one for me is Barry Mackay, obviously. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I You're just, not going to find any disagreement from me on that? Nah, I just think no, for 500,000, um, a boy his age... With his talent, and I I see and hear a lot of stuff, you no know, for Rangers fans on social media and that about oh he wanted to leave and he wanted out, and I can only tell you, you no, know, what I understood to be the situation. Barry McKay had no great desire to leave Rangers. You no, know, his contract was running down. He wanted an improved, better contract. You no, know, to bring him up to maybe a kind of level of other first team players who were playing regularly. I think to mine, Rangers offered him one contract. How many he's represented? Didn't he feel it was that great? Or no, much improved for the last one. Turned it down, hoped and waited for Rangers to come back in with another one, and it just never happened. It just, it just was allowed to fizzle out, and Rangers were clearly, clearly willing to let him, let him go. And you're talking about mentality of O'Halloran and that. Maybe Kashinya thought that about about Barry McKay as well. Maybe wasn't he? No, I don't want to use the word hardened because I mean he's a winger. He's not going to dive into tackles and win fifty fifties. But maybe the mentality thing again was an issue. But I just think Barry McKay's got too much, too much ability, too much technique to to let go for that money. Is there a sense that Rangers, by putting Barry McKay in with the kids, by ostracising him from the first team in the way that Kashina did? Did that undermine his value when Nottingham Forest came knocking? Because I think Warburton would have been in for him anyway. Yeah, I think it did, definitely. Again, it's like I'm saying about O'Halloran, you're kind of cutting your nose off to, to spite your face. I don't I don't get it. Try and keep, even the guys, the clever managers, No, even the guys they don't want in the team or they maybe don't even want in the club, No, they try and keep them happy. They try and keep So if you do need them or you do need to call upon them, they still want to get and play for you, or if you're looking to get shot of them, then you get some decent money because you know, you're talking about how good he is and how valued he is, and you can maybe bump the price up a wee bit. It just, it just didn't make any sense to me. I mean, it didn't make any sense to allow Barry McKay's contract to run down to that point anyway, because mm. because his age. No, for a young guy. No, when you look at that squad last season, he was one of their main assets. When you look at his age and his ability and stuff, he'd been in Scotland squads, not full Scotland squads, as well as the 21s. So, 
I said, think that was said, a big mistake. He did sign an odd contract, though, to be fair. I mean, it's similar to the Stuart Armstrong situation. Because I think when Mackay came in, he had a year left, didn't he? When Warburton, sorry, when Warburton came in, he had a year left, Mackay. And then a little bit into that season, when Warburton had clearly identified him as going to be one of the main men, he signed another contract, but it was only for two years. Right. So you always get the sense that when they sign a two-year contract like that, as I do currently yeah. with Armstrong, yeah. you're just kicking the problem down one year. Yeah, you know, it, maybe. I don't, I don't know the, the kind of know the details of that or, or why that was, but certainly, I just I, I don't think the boy, from what I know of Barry, I, I don't think he had any great desire to leave Rangers. Like he's no, I don't think he's ever been one of these kids that's constantly spoke about what he got down to England and what what he tried down there. I think he was. When he got in that Rangers team under Warburton and he scored the goal against Celtic at Hamden in the semi-final, no, he couldn't have been happier. Um, and I, I, I'm convinced, I might be wrong, I'm convinced that if Rangers did that, no, tried to keep him, no, showed Barry Mackay that he was, they, they appreciated him, appreciated his value and his worth, then no, they could have kept Barry Mackay. And I, and I think... No, we're talking about the left-hand side, the Rangers midfield. No, they're, they're now switching between a Josh Windass and a, a Cranshaw. Talking about Dorans maybe going out there. I mean, you're not telling me Barry McKay couldn't have, couldn't have done a job for them. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a good segue into the player that wasn't, uh, Jamie Walker. What's your understanding of that transfer? Um, understanding is, well, we all know Rangers wanted him. Uh, Pedro Cachinha was desperate to get him, uh, along with Declan John. No, those were the two guys he wanted on deadline day. Um, my understanding is, obviously everybody knows about the million pound Hearts were, were wanting initially. No, they made that public that that was their figure. They weren't willing to let him go for anything less. I think on deadline day... Hearts dropped that that figure, no, and they, they were willing to accept substantially less than a, than a million pounds, so much so that no people around the player, um, no probably thought there was a good chance of, of the deal getting done, but it didn't, and it was it was Rangers' prerogative. I think they decided they looked at the fee Hearts were Hearts were looking for, um, whether it be a million pound initially or even when it was dropped. And Rangers just decided as a club, you know, for a guy with six months left in his contract, they decided on deadline day they weren't weren't willing to weren't willing to pay that, weren't willing to go to what, what Hearts were looking for. Um and maybe we're thinking, what's the point? Because we can get this guy or we can go back in for this guy in January and hopefully tie him up on a on a pre contract. What do you think he would be worth in January now then? I mean if if you're saying it's substantially less than, than a million pounds. Yeah. What does his fee become when he's available to sign on for Rangers on a pre-contract? Yeah. Well, it decreases significantly again. Maybe no. three hundred grand, three fifty. Possibly, yeah. Um, and you need to, We don't know how things are going to go between now and January in terms of. No, what, what's Jamie? What, what's Jamie Walker's situation at Hearts going to be by then? No, does Craig Levine's just come in as manager? Craig Levine was a big. Influence on the no, we want a million pound kind of thing at, at the start in his role as director of football. So, no, if, if Jamie Walker was to go right back, well, he's, he's in the Hearts team, he was in the Hearts team for the last couple of games. If he goes and plays well, scores goals for Hearts, 
then I suppose in January, Hearts would still be saying we're, we're want a decent kind of figure for them because we've still got we've still got a few months left of them. But the thing is now, if Craig Levine decides, no, this guy probably doesn't want to be here or didn't want to be here uh, in the summer. I really want him in the team every week. If we get to a point in January where Jamie Walker's hardly played, no, his his mindset isn't great. Then obviously the the, the value um, would come down significantly. So seems like there's there's no real winners in this sort of transfer saga. Hearts have still got an unhappy player who's worth a lot less. Yeah. Um, Raiders haven't got the player to fill in that left mid- midfield position that yep. they want. So. T- to me, I think if you're talking, you know, the seven hundred grand, seven fifty grand, six hundred and fifty grand type fee, if per- that's what we're talking about, personally, yeah, I mean, well, the manager was desperate to get him, so that that's, that then comes down to the board and, and what, you know, how much they're willing to willing to pay, and they've decided, and you no, know, Rangers, you, we can never criticise Rangers now, really, for no paying a fee that they believe is inflated because of everything that's going on in the past. How can you? I mean, everybody, when they're going into administration and liquidation, everybody's crying out for, no, you need to be, you need to be prudent with the money and you need to, no, every penny's a prisoner. So yeah, That's a great point. Yeah, you, you, need, you need to admire them in some way for saying, no, no, we, we've, we know how much we think he's worth. We know the player is keen to come. We know we can go back in January and... No, maybe think about it then. Take them in January for a fee, or just get them to sign a sign a Bosman, and we'll, we'll we'll get them in get them in next summer. So I say party's got to admire them for that. But if you're a Rangers fan, no, you wanted Jamie Walker in for the reasons we spoke about. No, that left hand side in midfield, and as you say, there are there are no winners because Hearts are now in a difficult predicament. Did they play them? The Hearts fans have kind of turned against them already because they. They sense that he did, you know, that he didn't really want to be there um, beyond this summer. So it's an awkward, awkward situation, and it boils down to again. We've spoke about it. We've spoke about it with Barry McKay. We've spoke about it with Sam Nicholson. People yeah. like that. No young, young, talented Scottish players, assets to these clubs, but for some reason the contracts have been allowed to allowed to run down to a point where you're getting very little back from. Absolutely. Um, so Scott, put you on the spot. Jamie Walker, January, will this move happen? Predict it just now. I don't think Rangers will sign him in January for a fee. I think if he goes to Rangers now, it'll be a pre-contract in January. But I also think, depending on how many games Jamie Walker plays between now and then, I think there'll be other clubs... Or maybe look at no English clubs and that. I think, I think they have a few options in January when it comes to a pre-contract when you can get and get them for nothing for the start of next season. I think there'll be other clubs looking at them, and that's maybe where Rangers are playing a, a dangerous game. And that you no, know, if they're putting all their eggs in one basket, thinking this guy wants to come here, it'll be fine. Then no, that that might be slightly dangerous because I think there'll be others others interested come January. Well, we talked about Ryan Jack and being a great value free transfer, and I just wanted to go through the other potential Ryan Jacks that are out there, the players that are running to the end of their contracts. I've got four here. Uh, Jamie Walker's one of them, so we've talked about him, so I'll move past him. The three others are Louis Malt, Kenny McLean, and Ali Crawford. Now, do you see any interest potentially 
from Ibrox for any of those three players as free transfers? The only one I would see is Kenny McLean. Um, I think Kashinia likes Kenny McLean. Um, I think he's a player Rangers have admired as a club for a while back. McCoist uh, was sniffing about him at yeah, one point, yeah, wasn't he? Was, he was free. He was. Uh, I think even when Kenny McLean was at St Mirren, I, I mean Rangers, Rangers had watched him and, and had shown an interest. Uh, he's a Glasgow boy, obviously. He's a Rangers fan as well, apparently. I think, I think so. so um, he's one that I think they would they would automatically be interested in. But in terms of getting them this, no, trying to get them in this the, the previous window there or in January. Very difficult. I mean, I think Derek McInnes was quite, no, quite adamant, uh, quite cute even. No, he, he signed his new contract and turned down Sundown that, no, one of the kind of stipulations was that Kenny McLean was was not to be sold under any circumstances, um, and that and that's why he's still there. I mean, he's a vital player for Aberdeen. Uh, he talked. We're talking about midfielders earlier on. I mean, Kenny McLean can play the sitting role. He can play as a number ten again. He can play. Can play wide, crucially left-footed. So he's, yeah. he's, you know, a rare swan in that yeah. sense that he can play um, a variety of positions. Could play, could and could actually fill that left-hand side role and, for Rangers. And he has been unlucky. Talk about Ryan Jack for Scotland. Kenny McLean's been unlucky that he's had to compete. You no know, way, the guys who Gordon Stratton really likes and relies on, like your James Morrison's, James MacArthur's, who by the way are playing at a, a right good level. Uh, and Stuart Armstrong's came to the fore and has been has been phenomenal for for Celtic and Scotland as, as we know. So I think Kenny's been a wee bit unlucky that he's not been in more Scotland squads or, or maybe a wee bit more of a, a wee bit more of a sniff. But uh, I watched them. I watched Aberdeen the last game at Partick Thistle uh, a week past Saturday and it was terrific. Just ran the show for them in the, in the middle of the park. So um, I think Rangers will look at that again in January. Problem is in January with pre-contracts, knowing it's an Aberdeen player. We all know the history with Aberdeen and Rangers, you know the fans. Oh, Ryan Jack, obviously, I would imagine agreed that deal significantly well, before, before they maybe, announced it. Maybe, but I don't think if you're Kenny McLean, Aberdeen player, you want to be signing, you want to be signing a pre-contract with Rangers, and you, you still need to play with Aberdeen for the best no. part of six months. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops, but. They'll, they'll definitely be interested for Rangers there, and it's one that I would imagine Kashinia would be would be keen to, to try and get. You think Louis Moult is just not on their radar? And there's been a bit of talk about that today, but he's you know he's a he's a big physical presence, proven in this league, scores all sorts of goals. Yes, I must admit that this is just a personal thing. We were talking about it in the office um, last week. It's maybe just that I've not seen enough of Motherwell. No, maybe don't, I've not seen enough of their their game, seen enough of Louis Moult. In the games I have seen, he's never really kind of... I've never really sat back and thought, wow, this guy's, this guy's a player. I mean, probably the only time was the Celtic game where he scored the cushion volley over Craig Gordon, not a lob, which was a phenomenal finish from him. Um, he's clearly a goal scorer. Um, credit to him for where he's, where he's come from. No, he was, a couple of years ago, he was playing with Wrexham. Um, so... He's done brilliant. Uh, he's clearly got ability. Clearly a goal scorer. I just don't. I just don't know whether he's someday Rangers will be looking at in terms of whether Pedro Cachinho will think he can improve Rangers significantly in that in that department. Um, I think Rangers have. I think Rangers have said in this window that there's never really been 
any interest there, people might find that surprising, but I, I'm actually not that surprised. I think he's a good player, but would you rather the Rangers fans rather have him than, than Morelos at this stage? Mm. I know different De- types. Definitely not, but I would say maybe rather than Herrera, based on what we've seen. Well, certainly more mobile than Herrera. I spoke about Herrera. Aye, mm. certainly, when, when you're comparing him to Herrera from what we've seen so far, at the very least, Louis Malt would have been able to get in, as you say, and adapt right away to the Scottish Premiership. That would have been a big a big advantage you're going to get, going to get him. But I don't know. Listen, if Malt hits another... 15, 20 goals before January then no, there'll be Rangers and others might, might be looking at them so. Just finally in terms of contracts we've talked a lot about the transfer window and contracts we've got three significant Rangers players that are going to be out of contract at the end of this season and I just wondered what your opinions were on whether or not they'll be renewed the first one's Nico Crancher I don't think I just we, we spoke, we've spoken about this before I, I Cranchard was a terrific player in his day, still technically excellent, really gifted, um, but no, without being unkind to him, I just think his best days are behind him now, I don't think he's, I, he's just came back for associate injury as well, which no, which is difficult for any player at any age to come, to come back from, so I don't know, we watched him obviously the, the Ross County game, he played wide left, didn't really happen for him. Started the game pretty well. No, lost the lost the ball for the goal. I, I think you need to build the team around Cranchar. But if you're going to play him, yeah. he needs to be completely he's, he's protected. A, he's a luxury player. Yeah. But let, let's be honest. I mean, he, you're right. I think the only role for him would be as as the number ten. No, either playing off one striker or in behind two strikers, and you then need to give him the freedom just to go and do whatever he wants and hope that he comes up with the goods. Hope that. He'll be the guy to pull you, pull mm. you out a hole when you need it. But the problem with that is he drifts deep to get the ball, yeah. and then there's too much space between him and the midfield. And yeah. you saw that against Progress Niederkommen. He was he was actually superb in that game at Ibrox. Yeah. He was playing in the number ten, but he was he was drifting deep to dictate play all the time. Yeah. And you've not got Ryan Jack in front of him. It's just not going to work. Yeah. He's not going to break the lines. I've said before. I think I think his role for Rangers this season ultimately will be from the bench. Coming on, maybe when a game's when you're two or three up and you want to keep the ball, or if you're toiling in a game at Ibrox, for instance, and you need somebody to unlock the door, and he can come up with something, whether it be a free kick or threading a pass through a striker to create a chance. So I was I was half expecting uh, Harry Redknapp to turn up with uh, <laughs> take it with his last minute blood, but to take him <laughs> That's um, when you know he's finished. That Harry's not coming in. Yeah. The, the other two are uh, Kenny Miller and Danny Olsen. Um, I, I think Danny Olsen is a, a perfectly good central defender or squad player who, if he could actually put together his game, if he could actually get himself spot on physically and mentally, I think could be a Scotland defender because yeah. he's, he's he's so good on the ball. I agree. I I, I think. When you seen Danny Wilson, the, when we watched Danny Wilson coming through as a youngster at Rangers, I mean, he just looked to have every attribute you oh, wanted in your centre half. It's a modern day centre half, and obviously, we went to Liverpool for big money, and it didn't work out for him. Came up, uh, came back up, you know, played well for Hearts, and, and gets back to Rangers, and hasn't he really kicked on the way? No, the way the punters would have hoped, I don't think. Um, and I think Pedro talked about him being a player that he really liked when he first came, but then he's immediately gone out and replaced him. Yeah. Um, 
he's, he's left-sided as well, so he's he's kind of fighting with Alves, Alves for that place. It's going to be difficult for him now. And that's, you're talking about his contract running down. Well, Rangers, every chance Rangers would want to keep him, but if Danny Wilson's got to play kind of third-choice centre-back and Cardozo and Alves plays, you know, play together for the full season, then... Is Danny Wilson really want to hang around for another season? I don't know if Alves is still there, Cardozo is still there, so that one's going to be interesting. Um, it, it'll be interesting as well if Kishinya. I, I don't think Rangers are at the you know, at the stage where they can like, tinker with the team that much and rest players and all that. But obviously the the Betfred Cup game they changed the goalkeeper and that. I just wonder, you no, know, does does Danny Wilson maybe come into his thinking for that just to get him a game and. So that'll be interesting to see see what he does with him in that sense. Or, you know, if Cardozo or Alves gets injured, Danny Wilson is the guy. But yep. they've not got many other centre-backs. You're then looking at guys like young boys like Bates and, and McCrory. So, you know, he's not totally out, out of the picture uh, just yet. But it'll be interesting again you know, to know what Danny Wilson's thinking come January. Yeah, and finally on that, Kenny Miller, he's a player that he probably wants us to sit here and write him off because every time someone writes him off he makes him look very silly indeed but you know 37 he's going to be 38 by the time his contract comes up how, how long can he keep this going know, this I mean, Indian summer but what age was Clint Hill last season was he uh, 38, 38 uh, yeah. so I mean it can be done Davy Weir was obviously at Rangers uh, to that that kind of age I think Davy Weir was still super 38, 39 uh, it wasn't was, until he was 40 that he started to Listen, it's been, I'm being very harsh on Kenny Miller because he's been a brilliant player, uh, great guy for us to deal with as well in the media. But the start of this season, probably the first time I've looked at him in, in a few years and thought, just a bit off for him, maybe no having the impact that he's had even in the last couple of years yeah. uh, at Rangers. So, so we're writing him off? As <sighs> you say, you just, you just can't. You just keep, yeah. probably come and score, score a win on the old firm game or something. So... Well, you can always rely on Kenny in the big games. Yeah, the big def- games, def- that's when he comes alive, talk- even still. Yeah, you're talking about big game mentality. Ella, I mean, that's that's what he's got in abundance. Yeah. And he's the kind of guy you would want around the dressing room all the time. I mean, I know he's, he's, he's taking his coaching badges and stuff. He's keen to get into that. So, you know, do you keep him at the club? And I know he's been, I think, I think I'm right in saying he's, he's helped like Graham Murthy and other coaches there at times with under-20s, yeah. under-18s or whatever. So... That might be an avenue for him to keep him on. Well, I suppose you could offer him a contract as a coach and keep his player registration, so he's he's still there. But Kenny Miller's the type of guy. He's kind of it's all or nothing. No, he either wants to be the, the number the number nine playing every week, or I, I don't think he's at a stage where he's going to fancy playing playing second fiddle to anybody. So that'll be interesting as well. And just finally, before we move on, Scott, just a very very quick one. Social media has had their say fall on a BBC debate that asked. Who was the better player, Scott Brown or Barry Ferguson? I'll let you go first and then I'll jump in. I think the last couple of years, Scott Brown, no, despite getting older, I think his games came on even more. I mean, I watched him, watched him closely the other night in Vilnius. And I know Lithuania weren't that great, but the guy controlled the game for Scotland. I mean, literally dictated the whole game. On that AstroTurf pitch, passing was, was excellent. He set the tempo, you know, making angles for players. Every time a teammate needed a passable, Scott Brown was the guy who was there. So 
I think he's been brilliant um, for Celtic and for Scotland. But if you're putting me in the spot, I still think Barry Ferguson had more had more his game, and I probably refer back to I can't remember the exact year. You might be able to tell me better, but no, the kind of early two thousands, Barry was almost took on this new role. He had a vision of Barry, Barry Ferguson being this sitting midfielder at all times. But there was a couple of seasons under Alec McLeish, I think, where he was his goal scoring. Yeah, he scored like tw- I think just under, I think it was nineteen goals ah, he got from midfield. Driving for midfield Treble winning season. A- arriving late in the box, scoring free kicks, penalties, um his free kick of the one that sticks out, obviously the one the, the, the Scottish Cup final against against Celtic. I mean when he was in that kind of forum, um and he obviously listen he also got big moves down south, you no, know, when he went to Blackburn, it was a big it was a big move. And barring injury, things might have worked out differently. He got a bad injury early on in his career at Blackburn. But you speak to the people down there, speak to Graham Soonis who who took him there. Yeah. No, he he it started brilliantly for He's, Blackburn. I believe he was quite close to a couple of moves as well. Newcastle were in for yeah. him, Arsenal were in for him at one yeah. point and it never quite came off. For me, this to me this is not even a debate, I think. Ferguson is a significantly better player than Scott Brown. Yeah. Technically, tactically, um, just had a lot more about his game. And that's not to denigrate Scott Brown, who yeah. I think is a fine player and has vastly improved his game under Brendan yeah. Rodgers. His passing has come on uh, hugely. But Ferguson, for me, he was at 21 22, was dominating games yeah. against Bayern Munich. I remember the, the game that sticks out for me, just you know, just trying to remember back, it was a way to buy a Leverkusen under, under Dick Advocate. Yeah. I mean, he was he was fantastic that night. Do you remember the turn in that game? I think he was up against Zero Berto who went to uh, Bayern Munich and, yeah. he, and he, he's turned him inside out. And I think Barry was t- 19 or 20 at yeah, the time. He took like three players out of the game, just with a, wee, a wee pivot in the middle of the park. Absolutely. Well, that's all for us this week. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R. McFarlane. And Scott, you are. Scott McDermott 8 putting you on the spot there <laughs> don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audio Boom to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available and if you liked it please review and rate us there too thanks for listening